everybody. Happy Tuesday afternoon and welcome back into another episode of Great Corner Gals. I'm Kaylee Nix. This is our show here at Freight Waves where we highlight incredible women doing amazing things in the freight space. Normally, I'm here with my co-host and partner in crime, Grace Sharkey, but she is off doing awesome things this week at Manifest in Las Vegas. So, we're riding solo today, but I'm super excited for you guys to be here with me. We've got a great guest on the way with honestly a really hot button topic to talk about. Really get you guys maybe in the headspace if you're trying to look for a new job during this crazy economic time. Normally we start off with the news here on Great Quarter Gals and our biggest story of the week this week is the weather. Of course, you guys know me, I do weather in the mornings on Freight Waves now, so who better to talk about this insane ice storm going on from the plains all the way up through the deep south. And that's what we're gonna hit on this morning before we get to our guest. So let's check it out right now. I've got the radar up behind me and it's really just been a gigantic mess everywhere from the deep south parts of Texas, down to the Texas-Mexico border, even up through central Texas, Dallas, Fort Worth, Austin, you name it. We've got incredible ice and winter precipitation going on up there right now. So this is what the radar looks like. And so far, the bulk of the wintry precip, this is snow, freezing rain, sleet all mixed in, stretches literally from that Texas-Mexico border down along the I-10 corridor up into the Dallas-Fort Worth metro. As of earlier this morning, about one o'clock in the afternoon here Eastern time, there's a complete ground stop between Dallas-Fort Worth and Austin. So no planes flying at all in the air there today. Hopefully that's gonna be lifted here in the next few hours as we get some drier air working on in. But they're expected to get more snowfall as we continue to move throughout the day today. And then eventually it's gonna switch over to freezing rain for them. So this is kind of worst case scenario for Texas because you're looking now at a layer of freezing rain over a layer of sleet. So it's ice on top of ice. Further up towards the north, northeast, we've got winter storm warnings in place. And then on the front side, the warm side, we've got flood warnings in place, which is actually pretty interesting as this warmer precipitation moves through. And then into the Arkansas area, Little Rock, Arkansas, up into the Memphis area, ice storm warnings in place. Same thing for the northeastern, northwestern corner of Mississippi. What we're going to be seeing is just some pretty intense ice accumulation there today and into tomorrow. With this, lots of places experiencing car accidents. We had a about 40 car pile up this morning on I-40 in Memphis. So overall, it's just kind of not a great situation out there today. Make sure that you guys are taking it extra slow if you're headed out on the roads, but if you don't have to be out there, don't have to be out there. Show these photos and these videos this morning on Freight Waves Now, but this actually came to me courtesy of my mom. We love her. My little meteorologist on the ground for me. This is what it looked like yesterday at our house in uh, Dallas-Fort Worth area. This is just north of the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. Lantana, Texas, you're sitting at about mm, five to 10 miles north of the airport there. They got a full foot of sleet. That is 12 inches of sleet that fell at their house. And as I mentioned, there is now that freezing rain component that has flipped on top of the sleet. So kind of worst case scenario for them. They're, they're going to be iced in for at least a few days. You can see that 12-inch measurement there of sleet on the ground. Absolutely crazy. And then we found this video on Twitter earlier today of the sleet in Arkansas. You can kind of hear the sleet-freezing rain combination. It's a little bit of an ASMR moment when you hear that hit, but that's what's coming all the way to the deep south. Eventually here in Chattanooga, we might see a little bit of wintry precipitation. Overall, though, the freeze-up line is going to stay nicely away from us. But that does it for the weather. We will continue to watch this as we move through the rest of the week, and you can catch those updates on Freight Waves now. 
Let's go ahead and get into our guest for the day. We've got Charlie Zaffro with us, who of course is the head of CS Recruiting. And if you're looking for a job right now, times might be a little tough. So Charlie, I'm so glad that you're here to get into a little bit of a very interesting conversation about some hiring trends right now. Absolutely. Hi, Kaylee. So glad to be here. So let's just dig right into it, right? We are sitting at this time where there's a lot of economic uncertainty. Most everybody's like, yeah, we're in a recession. By financial standards, we're in a recession. But the labor market isn't quite reflecting that yet, right? Obviously, we've seen some big layoffs in tech. It's starting to hit the freight tech space overall. And some people might be looking for a new job. If you're a job seeker in this environment right now, what are your number three th- three top things that you should be concerned about when you're looking for a new opportunity? Great question. And you're absolutely right. I mean, the hiring market is going through a weird transition. I've recruited in this industry for 12 years, and I would say this is probably one of the most unpredictable times. So if you are a job seeker, I would first and foremost network, connect with people you know, connect with the people they know, and really leverage your network. People are really pushing um, the human interaction. So while I always would encourage you to find job postings, apply to those job postings, having a direct connection, having a referral, a reference point to a human on the other side is always going to get you a little bit further. Um, Something else we're also seeing, and I, I think this is really great news for our industry, is this shift towards skills-based hiring. So of course, there will always be companies that you know think of their ideal candidate or, or come to a recruiting firm like ours and say, I want to hire someone who's in this role at my competitor who can come here and do the same thing. That will always exist. But when we talk about skills-based hiring, we're really seeing a lot of companies start to think about soft skills and hard skills. And soft skills are really leading the way. Um, So regardless of how much experience you have, we all have soft skills. Soft skills are personality traits. Um, You may be dependable. You may be strategic, analytical, reliable. Those are all things that you want to show off and promote, especially on your resume. There's a lot of technology out there that is automating the these applicant tracking systems. So the more your resume keywords line up to the keywords on the job description, the better chance you have of your resume getting through and and making it to that decision maker's desk. Um, And then lastly, I never want to tell a job seeker to settle um, or to not be picky, but just with the shift of the market, I think it's really important for people to realize that companies are back in the hiring seat. So what that means are um, there's more people than there are jobs right now, which is a 180 from what we saw last year. So you have to really think about your must-haves, your nice-to-haves, your non-negotiables. I'm sure everyone out there wants more money. I'm sure everyone out there wants as much flexibility as possible. But I would say focus on one or two things that are really important to you, whether it is the money or the flexibility, maybe the culture, maybe the career opportunities, the leadership, and go after that. Because during a market like this, um, you're not going to necessarily be able to check off all your boxes. So figure out what's most important, go after that and and really focus on the offers that or the opportunities that can offer you what's most important. So that skills-based hiring is something that I really want to zoom in on a little bit because I think that it's absolutely fascinating that that's where we're trending. A lot of times, a lot of job seekers, and honestly, like me personally, I've put a lot of stock in applying for jobs or only applying for jobs where I match every single bullet point on that job application, right? And a lot of that times that involves both an education requirement and also an experience requirement that can sometimes be a little ridiculous. Like if I hold a master's degree in the field that I'm applying for, 
why do I need 10 years, 10 years of experience for an entry level job, right? Like that, it, it shouldn't equate like that. And especially being a woman, there's a statistic that says that women are way less likely to apply for jobs that they're underqualified for than men. Do you think that now from a job seeker standpoint, we really, this is the time to break out of that mold and get out of that mindset, knowing that companies are now looking at hiring those soft skills and you can market yourself, make yourself marketable, not necessarily having all of the on-paper requirements. Absolutely. It's a, it's a move in the right direction, that is for sure. Now, at the end of the day, every job seeker is trying to get the attention of whoever that resume gatekeeper is. So you have to imagine that that resume gatekeeper, they have opinions, they have perceptions, they maybe control the settings in terms of which resumes are going to make it through. So I'm very hopeful that with the market the way it was last year, employers have really learned what's important. Their talent brand is important. Their communication response time, transparency throughout the process is important. No matter who's in the driver's seat, companies have really stepped it up. And I think this skills-based hiring is part of this new new phase of open-mindedness, if you will. So um, again, having a human connection Anywhere in the network is always going to help you get the attention. But then once your resume is in front of them, really playing up those soft skills, showing what you're capable of doing, not necessarily just focusing on what you've already done. That's what I'm starting to see more of. And I'm very confident that as more time progresses, we're going to see more and more companies, you know, jumping on that bandwagon, which will be great for everyone. When you say resume gatekeeper, it almost makes me think of like someone in HR sitting with like an iPad, right? And they have like, like almost like a dating app, swiping like left for no, yes for right on a resume, right? But that's, that's not really the case now. It's kind of this shift, I would almost call it, that a lot of companies, especially if they're bigger, have started using third-party software or even AI sometimes to sift through your resume. And that can put a job seeker at a pretty big disadvantage if you don't know how to game the system, right? Is that something that we're seeing a lot of struggle with is maybe people who are overqualified, overeager, and look great and can do great be weeded out by these systems because they're discriminatory, they're AI, and they're not this human connection? Absolutely. I mean, it's something that at our firm with our technology, we've always voided. And, you know, I will go up in the debate any day that it might not be as efficient as we can be, but it's fair, it's honest, it's unbiased. So as experts in our industry, we know what to look for. We don't need to have settings on our ATS system to make sure some people, you know, get swiped left and some people get swiped right. We're really looking for that quality skill set. We're looking for the career progression. We also want to see a little bit of that human side on their resume. So whether that's a summary or a mission statement, tell us a little bit about you. What are your interests and hobbies? Um, So that is all part of the game. But um, you know, there, there is technology is always going to be up against us. And it really just comes down to who's operating the technology and what are the company's philosophies on the other side. I think it's also really important right now just to take a beat and, and think about what I said at the beginning with our market. There are more people than jobs right now. So just to defend the hiring companies for a quick moment, they are getting more applications than ever. So there are companies that have no choice but to put some filters on how they receive these resumes. There are companies that are behind on reviewing resumes and getting back to people because the amount of applications, just the sheer volume is higher than ever. So it's really this cyclical effect that 
you know, at the end of the day, candidates, job seekers are creating um, this overload, but it still is the company, the hiring company's responsibility to sift through those resumes, hopefully to respond to every person, whether you move forward or not, and to, to look at them fairly and equally so you can move the right people forward. So when you're talking about building out that ideal almost profile as a job candidate, right? Thinking again, back to like this dating app analogy, you obviously want to have a resume that sticks out and is good, good filterable either by an AI system or by a human element. You want to make sure that you have a presence, whether that's a good presence on social media or that human connection that you mentioned. What about the value Mm -hmm. of the cover letter? Do you still think from a recruiter standpoint, there's a lot of value being placed on a cover letter? Is that kind of this initial handshake that it used to be in business? Or is it kind of this outdated method that isn't necessarily useful anymore when you can search someone on LinkedIn and glean more about them in three seconds than you could reading a cover letter? In my opinion, it is outdated. And I mean, I don't think I have asked for a cover letter in my entire career as a recruiter. I don't think I've looked at a cover letter probably in the last two or three years, just with the way the market's been and the candidate pool we've seen. So to me, cover letters are unnecessary. I totally agree. I'm going to open someone's LinkedIn profile. And within 30 seconds of scanning, I'm going to know about that person. I'm going to pick up on their vibe, their energy, their passions, their desires, their interests. Your cover letter is generic, no matter how you spin it. You know, people try and write formally. They kind of position themselves in a way that they aren't because they feel like they're complying to these, you know, cover letter template standards. So in my opinion, cover letters are a thing of the past. I really hope that that is the majority uh, moving forward. But again, companies that are hiring have an opportunity to put any requirements on their job posting, um, any requirements for their candidate search. So there are some, you know, older school companies that continue to use cover letters, but um, I can't remember the last time that I've passed one on as part of our candidate introduction. I think it's super interesting to think about kind of your digital footprint as a job seeker. And obviously, like you and I are both fairly active on LinkedIn, you and I are both regular producers of content. But even for folks who maybe don't work on the media side or who aren't regularly on a show or a podcast, if they've been on one before, you have produced now content. And that is a piece of content that you can then send to a potential employer and say, hey, look at me, pick up on my personality, pick up on my vibe just from me sitting down and doing this interview with Anthony Smith on FreightWaves now, right? Like that is something invaluable that I think that job seekers in the past haven't really had the opportunity for. How important is it if you are maybe a candidate who you like your role, you're kind of comfortable, but you're actively participating in these things, should you be banking your content and holding on to that? So maybe when you do go out and look for a new job, you can provide it firsthand and be like, hey, I might not have a generic formal cover letter, but listen to how well I do in an interview. I think that's such an awesome suggestion. And I don't think you need to bank your content in the sense that you know, reserve it for that opportunity, put it out there, share your thoughts, because you can always send that link from a specific post to a hiring manager. I actually think that's a really great strategy. It's almost your writing portfolio, if you will. So maybe in that introductory letter, you're, you know, uh, you're referencing some of your content. Um, Even on LinkedIn, you can easily share one of your posts with someone who may be a hiring manager over there. And, you know, very casually say, I thought that this might interest you. You could tag them on a post and get them engaged and get them and their company some attention. So I absolutely think that's a great way to just build your portfolio, showcase 
what you believe in, what you like to talk about. I could scroll through someone, you know, if somebody posts once or twice a week and I have an opportunity to scroll through those posts, I will learn more about that person in three or four minutes than I probably will if I sat down and talked to them for a half hour. So it's great pre-work for an interviewer. Um, It's also great for an interviewer to review to make the decision if they want to even pursue this candidate for a first conversation. So if you've got the content, absolutely leverage it, show it off, be proud of it, and and make sure that it gets the attention it deserves. 100%. It's, it's kind of that show versus tell strategy, right? Like I can sit down in an interview and fight to try and tell you things that are interesting <laughs> about myself, or I can just show you this piece of content that, that I love doing. So I, w- I want to go back to that kind of point that you made about the fact that hiring organizations are kind of overwhelmed right now, right? There are more job seekers than there are jobs. And it's been this very intense flip from the trend that we saw kind of mid-2021 through the start of 2022. That's putting a lot of stress on job seekers specifically. And I think a lot of people are finding that they are throwing a lot of things out there into the ether and not getting any responses. I put up a poll last night on LinkedIn because I've seen this on TikTok, on Twitter, on LinkedIn, Mm -hmm. where people are sending out maybe 100 resumes, probably an exaggeration, and just getting ghosted and ask people, you know, have you been ghosted or are you getting somewhere in between yes and no responses? Only got like 15 responses because I put it up late last night. But, you know, most people were like, yeah, I've been ghosted. I'm actively looking for a role and I keep getting zero responses. Then about seven of those folks were like, yeah, we're somewhere in between. I send some out. I hear back maybe, but then I don't hear back from a lot. No one said yes. They've heard, they are hearing back consistently from all of their companies. What do you think about kind of this space that we're at right now? And is it, is a lot of that to blame just based on the fact that these hiring organizations are probably overwhelmed? I think that's a big part of it. And there's so much going on behind the scenes. So companies posting jobs for roles that they're not immediately actively hiring for is nothing new. I mean, this is something that companies have done for many years as an opportunity to just proactively build their talent pipeline. Um, It's a way to gauge what talent is interested out there. Another thing that most job seekers don't realize is these companies have paid for those job slots on LinkedIn. So if we have 100 opportunities to post a job and we only have 97 jobs we're looking to fill, we probably will fill those three spots either with duplicate jobs or more of that generic job posting. Now, we're hopeful that we will help that person because of the amount of opportunities we see versus just being one employer, but it's nothing new. Um, Companies will take advantage of every job spot and they will post. And what we're seeing now, though, is the lack of response, the ghosting, which is a result of one the jobs aren't really immediately being filled and they're not really a hot role to fill. It's much more of a proactive attempt. And then two, what I mentioned before, that these job postings are getting so many applications. And if you are applying on LinkedIn, you can usually see how many applications have been submitted. So I wouldn't say avoid submitting your resume if you see that 100 or 1,000 resumes have already been submitted. But I would say be mindful and a job seeker should use that to manage their expectations. If you're applying to a job that has 1,000 applications that was posted yesterday, chances are, unless you are the rock star that catches their attention, you may not hear back from them. And if you do, it's probably going to be a while till they get to the, the end of that resume pile and can communicate with you. So there's a lot that goes into it, but it's really just important to know as a job seeker, 
this probably has nothing to do with you. This is more technology. It is the status on the hiring company side. And it's just their overall process and efficiency of how they review resumes. So let's say that you get in, you haven't gotten ghosted, you are you go through the application process, go through the interview process, boom, you've been hired, you've been offered the job, you're getting ready to start. And now flip side, you as the now hired employee, you decide to ghost the employer because maybe you found a better opportunity or you just decide, hey, this wasn't for me. Talk a little bit about how that is an awful strategy when it comes to finding that employment and maybe the kind of reputation that helps or that that it leaves you with if you do that kind of thing when you're looking for that next job. Yeah, you have to remember that every touch point is an opportunity to make an impression. It's an opportunity to influence, to build a relationship. So do not burn your bridges. I mean, in December, we actually saw more rejected offers than we had all of last year, which is kind of um, opposite of what the market is yielding. But these offers were rejected for a couple of reasons. One, candidates got cold feet. They went through the process and then they realized it was not the right opportunity. Um, two, candidates got counter offers. Maybe it was intentional, maybe not. But when they went to resign at their current employer, they sweetened the deal and got them to stay. And thus they uh, rejected the new offer on the table. And then also candidates may have multiple offers, regardless of the situation in the job market. You never know what's going on, how active these candidates are, how connected they are, how qualified they are. So it's really important as a candidate to remember if you are in that situation, for whatever reason you are turning down a job offer, do it with integrity, do it with honesty. As a recruiter, I would much rather know you are rejecting this job because you have another job that's better because of X, Y, and Z. So I can help you in the future. So I can give my clients some honest feedback. Um, so that's my my advice is be honest. There's nothing to lose. Just just be a good human and be nice. Exactly. 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 So Charlie, let's wrap this up by kind of just summarizing what to do in the current environment. From both an employer side and then from a job seeker side, when do you know that it's time to sit down and work with a recruiter like CS Recruiting? Do you, is there certain things that say, okay, now we're, we need the extra help? Or are you just going to come to a point where you're like, okay, I, I can't do all the work myself? <laughs> uh, as a job seeker or a both hiring ways, company? Both ways. So let's do job seeker okay. first and then hiring company second. I mean, as a job seeker, many people don't realize that recruiting is a free service to you. So there is no fee to represent you. Our goal is to help you find an opportunity, but also important to remember that our job is really to help our clients find the right hire. So our clients are the hiring companies. They are the ones paying us to go out and find you. Um, but it's never too early to start engaging with a recruiter. I would definitely suggest finding a recruiter that knows your industry. You're going to have much better odds at having some traction with them, being able to communicate and speak the same language and industry jargon. And they're really going to be able to make sense of what you've done and what you want to do. Um, so it's never too early to get that process started. And you can always simultaneously be working your own network, applying to jobs on your own. A recruiter is only going to do so much for you, but I can guarantee you that they will provide insight, they will provide advice, and hopefully they'll, they'll provide you with a job offer if they can get you to that point. Um, on the flip side, hiring companies generally 
come to us when they either don't have the network and the connections, if they need to look outside of their network and they know they want to hire someone, um, maybe from the industry, but maybe someone who's not associated with their organization. They also come to us when they don't have capacity so um, or a niche position to fill where they really need a trained recruiter who understands the skill set. Um, so even though there are you know more job seekers than jobs right now, I will tell you, we still are engaged with many, many hiring companies that are looking for great talent. Um, and the reason they're leveraging our services is, is because we have that network and we have that knowledge. There are lots of fish in the sea, but our goal is to go out, find the right person, the right people for them to evaluate, and hopefully get those people to the top of their resume list because that's what we were hired to do. So um, on both sides of the table, I would absolutely say align with the recruiter, just make it make sure it's the right recruiter based on the specs and where you're focused. So obviously, transportation, logistics, supply chain, we are in that space. If people want to reach out to you guys at CS Recruiting, maybe they're looking for their next opportunity and want to be represented, where can they go to do that? They can go to LinkedIn, look up our company page, CS Recruiting, connect with me, Charlie Safro. Um, you can also see all of our job postings, both on LinkedIn and on our website. And I will promise you those are real job postings that we are um, being hired to fill and there is an immediate vacancy. So um, if nothing else, we'll get back to you and, and hopefully steer you in the right direction. Incredible, Charlie. Thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. And we will see you next time. Thanks, Kaylee. All right. And head on over to LinkedIn to connect with Charlie and her team. Also, I'd love to connect with you guys on LinkedIn as well. Thank you all so much for joining us for today's episode of Great Quarter Gals. Make sure you guys go connect with Grace Sharkey on social media, whether that's LinkedIn or up on Twitter. She is at that Manifest Conference in Las Vegas, as I mentioned. Lots of Freight Waves representation there. Tim Dooner, Craig Fuller, Alan Adler, all of that great Freight Waves talent out putting great content as well. So go and give them a follow as well. We'll see you guys next Tuesday live at 3 o'clock. I'll be here tomorrow morning at 9 for Freight Waves Now. Have a great rest of your day. One, two, three.